0: Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app. And on your radio, this is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. The Dow, the S&P, and the NASDAQ Composite Index all advancing right now. We are looking at a gain of uh, seven-tenths of 1% on the S&P 500 index. We're brought to you by Vanek Vectors ETFs. Expect more from your munis. Target tax-exempt income by maturity and credit quality, all with low-cost ETFs. Visit VanEck.com slash Muni VanEck access the opportunities dow industrials climbing 83 points a gain of 5 tenths of 1% the s&p 500 index up 14 a gain of 7 tenths of 1% nasdaq up 58 a gain of 1.3% gold down a dollar 50 the ounce to 1253 a drop there of 0.1% crude 4775 a barrel for west texas intermediate crude that's a drop of 9 tenths of 1% I'm Charlie Pellet and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. This is Taking Stock with Pim Fox and Kathleen Hayes on Bloomberg Radio.
1: A commodities bubble that burst, including for agricultural commodities in the construction industry that is still under pressure around the world. These are things weighing on the world's biggest agricultural equipment manufacturer. That's Deere & Company. The stock price down 5% today, trading at $78 and change. Here to tell us about the quarter, the quarterly results. For dear and even more importantly, what they have to do next and what lies ahead is our own Karen obohart she's industrials analyst for Bloomberg intelligence so Karen uh the quarter was a beat, helped by a lower tax rate, but there was bad news in three segments
2: uh yeah, um uh, you know uh the Big surprise in the quarter was the credit sub, which usually gives them pretty stable earnings and fluctuates a little bit with uh, volume or uh, uh, demand for equipment, but this time – there was a real shortfall in operating leases, which caught people uh, by surprise. Um, the company had to write off residual values. Um, equipment is being turned in uh, earlier than, uh, you know, the end of the lease because farmers are under stress. It's just another indication of stress. And GEAR had to uh, cut their expectations for the credit sub quite a bit. So that was the biggest surprise. Uh, construction equipment has been weak. Uh, they have largely North American exposure. Um, the pricing was a lot worse there, and they, they indicated that uh, uh, big competitors were discounting more than expected and cited that it wasn't necessarily the Japanese, so that's probably um, Caterpillar, which is the biggest uh, construction equipment producer. And then the third piece of bad news is the company did not dissuade us from con- concluding that 2017 might be a fourth down year for farm equipment, which is their largest and most profitable business. That was not anticipated. Um, And that, if a fourth down year would be the the worst for farm equipment since the late 90s. So, uh, you know, even though it looked like they'd be, you know, inside the numbers, it looked like that across the board.
3: Karen, uh, speak if you can about the effects of lower prices for oil, natural gas, and other mining commodities, mainly because if you've got construction equipment and you're not using it, you're going to put that back on the market. That means a lot of used stuff is available.
2: Yeah, used equipment prices have been uh, a pressure for them in both ag and construction. Now, in construction, um, the oil business, what's happened is that's returned a lot of equipment, that uh, construction equipment that was being used in that that market is now, be, uh, you know, being returned to be used in construction markets, which aren't that strong in and of itself. So the, the oil and gas market is definitely backed up on the, on the um, you know, construction equipment side as well. Um, the discounting we've had tough pricing, but Deer actually said construction equipment prices will be negative this year, and I think that w- that was worse than expected. And they cited sales incentives, which is basically companies trying to mm-hmm. trying to preserve market share.
1: So, Karen, what lies ahead? Deer has been taking steps to cut costs, right, to pull back, and you can understand that there was you know it's a big move up commodity prices; they were riding high, right. So, where are they in a cycle now? Is, have they? Is it time for people to take a look because there's value there now, or do they still have a lot of work to do to get their you know get their model in line?
2: I think um we have to let um you know people absorb absorb the um latest good news in that this might be another down year in twenty seventeen. I think the general consensus thinking was okay. Uh, 2016 is going to be a third down year, which would be a longer downturn than average. But now we've got another fourth year to, uh, to perhaps contend with. And, uh, you know, I, I think that that has to settle in and numbers have to continue to come down. Um, the company has done very well, um, on an operational level, given what they're dealing with. Um, but I, I think this latest shot, uh, um, you know, I think we need a little time to, um, figure out what the implications of that will be for next year. I think basically people were not expecting a big pop next year, but they weren't expecting another down year.
3: Thank you very much. Karen Ubelhart, industrials analyst for Bloomberg Intelligence. Of course Bloomberg Intelligence providing unique and real-time research in context for a variety of industries and markets as well as government factors that would affect businesses. Terminal customers just access this function by going to BI Go. On the Bloomberg. All right, now let's absorb some political news and perspective from Sahil Kapoor. He is Bloomberg News Politics Reporter and Producer, uh, joining us from Washington D.C., home to Bloomberg ninety nine one and one hundred five point seven HD two. Sahil, uh, Bernie Sanders, Hillary Clinton. Are we going to get a contested convention?
4: I wouldn't say a contested convention, but it does look like we're going to go to the convention without either of the the two candidates having officially clinched the votes they need um, to to guarantee themselves a nominee. Because remember, hundreds of of delegates at the convention are superdelegates, and they can vote for whoever they want. So if we take the superdelegates at their word, which I think we're pretty safe to do, then Hillary Clinton is the odds-on favorite, um, overwhelmingly likely, all but certain that she will be the nominee. And I think that's pretty clear to everyone, including um, the Bernie Sanders folks, even if they are fighting to the end
1: what would happen if bernie sanders won california it would i mean to a certain extent it might not totally change the math but that's a big state and there's a lot of delegates there
4: it is a big state and there are a lot of delegates but keep in mind these are proportionally allocated so if he wins by four or five points then they'll split the delegates and he'll and he won't net that many Right, So even if he does win California, it's not going to matter. He's going to need to win California and the remaining states by as much as 30 to 35 points, which is the sort of thing that's going to take a miracle to achieve.
3: Sahil, Philadelphia has already approved four demonstration permits in support of Senator Bernie Sanders for the July Democratic National Convention. They're figuring on a very large rally that will be planned near the convention center What will that look like, and what will that do to the inevitable race between the Democratic nominee and the Republican nominee?
4: We can certainly expect a rowdy series of demonstrations from Bernie Sanders supporters. He's activated a a long-dormant element of the Democratic Party that's been dormant at least since the 1990s, um, which is the staunch staunch left-wing element of the Democratic Party um, that wants – Almost the, the sort of fundamental change that that Donald Trump is pushing for from the right, they want it from the left. So we're we're certainly going to see that that um, side of the party and that wing of people, the that, that very energized and very mobilized, and demanding certain uh, um, demanding certain things from the Democratic Party in the platform and from Hillary Clinton in the general election campaign. And a lot of it is going to depend on, I think what Sanders does, how he uses his leverage, how he uses these supporters that are on his side, and how he harnesses that energy. Things could get out of control. Mm. Sahil, so, you, know, you have them. a big
1: story today. Yeah. Uh, you talked to some leading uh, Democratic Party leaders, uh, public statements, and, and sort of you know more behind the scenes. Uh, I think one of the most interesting ones comes from your interview with Senator Tim Keene of Virginia. Now, it's true he's a Clinton ally, but he's yeah. also former chairman of the Democratic National Committee. He's not so patient with Bernie Sanders pushing on.
4: He is starting to lose his patience, as many Democrats are. They don't like the fact that, given that it's... it's. Um all but certain at this point that Hillary Clinton is going to be the nominee, that Bernie Sanders continues to fight, that he continues to paint Hillary Clinton as the candidate of Wall Street and of big business and kind of, you know, suggest that she's corrupted by all these campaign contributions. They don't like the fact that one of their own is still attacking their presumptive uh, and and likely nominee. So I think Tim Kaine was giving voice to what a lot of people in the Democratic Party think in terms of arguing that now is the time for Bernie Sanders to dial back the rhetoric and uh, shift toward a a more unifying... uh, Uh,
3: Sahil, is there an understanding that whoever the Republican nominee is, and perhaps it would be Donald Trump, will use the actual words and video of Bernie Sanders in the national election against Hillary Clinton if she is the nominee?
4: Right. So firstly, Donald Trump is the presumptive nominee. He will be the nominee. And yes, that is, a guarant- that is an absolute certainty that he will use Bernie Sanders' words against Hillary Clinton. He's already doing it. He's already doing it in tweets and social media um, postings. And frankly, the Hillary Clinton campaign is going to do the same thing with Donald Trump. A lot of Donald Trump's Republican opponents said some uh, very fiercely critical, um, some pretty nasty things about him in the primary as well. So, you know, this is just part of the whole this is just, I guess, part of the whole exercise of, of electoral politics. We'll see that happening on both ends. What does this
1: mean for the Democratic Party more broadly? Is, is, is de- Bernie Sanders an outlier who who disappears after this? A lot of people in your story are not happy with the way he's conducted the
4: disappoint. No, he definitely won't disappear after this. Um, the question is what kind of figure emerges so this is this is sort of the fork in the road that Bernie Sanders has to contend with and, and decide what sort of um, politician he wants to come out as on the other side. Now, he has two options, as I see it. One is to continue as the figure he's been for the last 25 years and work within the party to achieve reforms. The other is to use his grassroots base of supporters as a sword against his party and to try to force reforms against their will.
1: Very interesting, very exciting. Sahil Kapoor, politics reporter and producer for Bloomberg News based in Washington D.C. His story, Sanders, find on the stump, quietly reassures Democrats on unity. Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox taking stock on Bloomberg Radio.